G'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. It's your boy, the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Driver. Of course, you're more than welcome to call me Brad. And before I introduce today's episode, I'd like to pay my respects and acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which we meet and share story on this podcast, A Lot To Talk About. As a passionate storyteller, I recognise the rich history that story holds within Aboriginal culture. And I hope that as a people, we can use the power of storytelling to connect the now many cultures that share this beautiful land we call Australia, that we call home. And today's episode is a little bit unique. It's different. Some of you may have seen across social media that just last week I had an incredible opportunity to share my keynote at an event called Humankind. Humankind was a three-day summit at Luna Park, Sydney that brought together some of the biggest speakers and performers from around the world. Um, people like Wim Hof were the headlining speakers of this event. We had comedians like Jim Jeffries, Becky Lucas, Guy Sebastian performing. You know, people from all over the world had come to be a part of the audience and to listen in. And I had the pleasure of speaking not only on day one, but day two of humankind. I had the opportunity to share my keynote, Blessed with Bleeding Lungs, and had an incredible response from the many people who were involved. And I met some incredible people along the way. Now, one of the people I met at this conference was a lady I watched on stage on day one. And on day two, I had the pleasure of sitting down as a guest on her podcast, Deep Sphere. Now, Deep Sphere is hosted by Katarina Kuhn. So Katarina Kuhn is a neuroscientist and effectively she's created and founded this Deep Sphere idea. Essentially what Deep Sphere is, it's a 10-minute assessment in which it reveals the foremost predictive dimensions of human personality. So the idea is understanding the neuroscience of self-knowledge. So you go through this assessment, you answer a bunch of questions there from multiple choice questions to ranking different things in order of priority or value to you. And you have to be really honest when you answer this. And I went through this assessment, which basically spat out this report that is the deep sphere report. And it talks about basically the neuroscience of me. Now, the idea is to create a greater self-knowledge around the individual so that you can work with your neuroscience, not against it, so that you can understand that some of the things we think, feel, and feel as though we're drawn towards or connected to as human beings, is actually a deeper part of our neuroscience. Now, the great thing was we connected that to my story. And the idea of getting me on their podcast was to go through this assessment and link it to my story and make sense of who I am as a human being. And it was such a fun experience. It's a shorter, sharper episode, just a little under 30 minutes. So I wanted to kick you off with an introduction and then flow into my guest appearance on the Deep Sphere podcast with Katarina Kuhn. So I hope you enjoy. All right, we're back with another interview at Humankind here 2023. We're on the couch with Bradley Driver and Katarina Kuhn looking at Brad's, if I can call you Brad, Deep Sphere profile. So welcome, Brad. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And uh, Kat, can we start to dive into the results that you're seeing there? Brad's only just taken the Deep Sphere profile. Yeah. So finding out a little bit about who he is and then I'll probably interject with some questions just around your background as we go on. Yeah. Uh, I love what you just said, Brad, because your result is performer driven by high care, high seek. So the two most active emotion systems in your, br in your brain are actually quite complementing ones. 
So high care on the one side makes you really empathetic and nurturing and caring towards others. And rank on the other side gives you higher testosterone levels than the average person, which makes you more assertive and uh, you know, um, ambitious and uh, competitive uh, mm. on the other hand. And that's actually a combination that's quite interesting and, and rather rare. Your summary type is performer. Um, again, you know, you do kind of the mantra is if you're not first, you're last. Um, so you would be quite, um, quite um, driven, you know, and uh, not shy away to fight for things that matter to you. Um, but you just described you're only 26 years old and um, you had a career in real estate and you just um, said to me um, that you realized that early on that you want to be doing something um, purpose-driven rather than just making money. And I just thought that's remarkable for a 26-year-old with that kind of personality profile often mm -hmm. I talk to people in their 40s and 50s when they have like a midlife crisis or a divorce or you know uh, a heart disease and realize they've just forever been chasing the money and the next step and the next career and the next thing and the next luxury car that it actually doesn't fulfill them and then they start asking these questions and so can you tell us a little bit about maybe the things that happened in your life that were like catalysts for you to be so fortunate, I would say, to revisit early on how you utilize that drive for rank and yeah. that performer um, kind of um, nature um, to decide about, you know, how to express it in a way that makes you fulfilled in the long run. Because I think that a lot of 60-year-old performers can learn a lot from you. Well, that's so kind. I guess for me, I've had a really unique life experience. So I was born with a condition called cystic fibrosis. I was diagnosed with liver disease at the age of nine, diabetes at 13, esophageal varicity issues at 16. So I had all of these things that were, I guess, what we'd perceive or think of as adversity mm -hmm. that was supposed to limit or define my life, that was supposed to put um, life expectancies on me that didn't look promising. And it was all the doctor's words in the early months of my life where... Mm -hmm. They were telling my parents that your son would be better off with a terminal illness that would kill him or he'd get over because cystic fibrosis will ruin his life. And in that moment, I learned the wow. greatest lesson I could ever learn in life from my mum and my dad who heard those words, looked my doctor in the eyes, stand up and walked away and said, you'll never see us or our son again. And they taught me this incredible lesson that what you believe is what you become. Mm -hmm. And so I've always had this incredible self-belief this idea and this understanding that we are in control of what we believe and then our beliefs dictate our behaviours, mm -hmm. our behaviours dictate our outcomes. So that's why for me it's no surprise that at 26 I'm sitting here following a career that is purpose-driven. Mm -hmm. But like everyone, I had the challenge to get there. You know, I was in a career of real estate, a career that was inspired by, you know, what you spoke about, that desire to make money, that desire to have the material things that look flashy on social media and make us look... Um, impressive from the outside yeah. but kill us on the inside and you know I led you know that sort of led me down a path of ill health um, my CF started to challenge me I ended up in hospital my keynote here at Humankind this weekend has been blessed with bleeding lungs mm -hmm. because I've experienced plenty of bleeds in my lungs and plenty of moments that for me turned out to be life realizations moments where I thought I was potentially taking my final breaths that my family was going to see me die that I wouldn't make it in hospital, make it to hospital in time, I should say. And it was particularly at the age of 23, sitting in a hospital bed fighting a potentially fatal infection, that I met an older gentleman by the name of Ernie, who was in his 60s. And Ernie was facing a terminal cancer diagnosis. He was in the last months of his life. And we sat down for a cup of tea and biscuits every day in the hospital. We just met um, the first day that I checked in. And over the course of two weeks, 
as I sat and spoke to Ernie every day, I realised that in the final months of his life, what's truly important was those things that I cherished and understood early on but had forgotten, that life is truly just collecting moments in time with the people that you love. Mm-hmm. And so as I had that wow. realisation in hospital, I left the hospital bed and I quit my job within a matter of a month after Ernie passed and I attended his funeral and I started to pursue what I was firstly passionate about and I asked myself, how can I use that passion in service of others? And for me, that was that purpose piece, mm-hmm. to uplift and inspire hope in others through story and mm-hmm. here we are. Mm-hmm. That it's, is amazing. It's amazing, I feel, how we always what it is with us humans that we have to die or almost die to realise the very well-researched, it's not as if that knowledge doesn't exist, things that make us happy and well, right? Like why are we wired in a way, or some more than and some less, um, that that we just can't do it without something traumatic happening? But but this notion as well of what you're talking about around particularly the belief part, and I think a lot of people strive or that belief because they know how powerful it can be, the power of the mind to overcome, and particularly in medical situations you're talking about. Also, there's been a lot of evidence behind things like chronic pain with the power of the mind in believing that you can get over it. You can actually then come out of it completely without having to take any medication or whatever it might be, and doctors can look at you stunned. But is it, does it, and I can't, maybe this is a question for you as well, does it have to come down to something really, really confronting and really like life-changing that can power you into that belief? Or is it possible to attain this understanding of how powerful belief can be without having to have that happen to you? It's such a great question because it shouldn't, mm. you know? And, and even for me, understanding what I understood from a very young age, that life was going to be different for me, that I had to approach it differently. I got to a point at 18 where for the first time in my life, I was experiencing, despite of, in spite of all of the issues I had on paper, yeah. I was experiencing my first real challenge with cystic fibrosis racing to the hospital with bleeding lungs, hoping I'm going to make it in time, wondering whether my dad's going to see me die in the car, wondering whether I'll ever see my mum and my sister again. And as I'm racing there, I'm having this realisation that why is it this moment right now I'm realising that I've forgotten what's important? Mm -hmm. Like, why does it take the watershed moment? And why does it, for me, take two or three to actually do Mm -hmm. something about it? Yeah. And... You know, for me, it's, it's that Confucius quote, right, that every man lives two lives, the second begins when they realise they have one. But how many times do you have to realise? Yeah. You know? And how many of those stories need to, do you need to listen to before you change something? It appears to me as if almost only people only change when something really dramatic on the emotional level have, happens to them. You know what I think it is? And I've thought about this a lot. I think as human beings we are so... It, and it comes back to, and you would know more about this and me, cat, but it comes back to that evolutionary desire to fit in, to be liked, to be a part of a community, because a part of, being a part of a community meant survival. Yeah. And mm. so we see community, we see connection, we see likability as an opportunity to survive. We forget about this thing that we call thrive. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I think for me, as a young man, looking at all the things that I thought money could buy me, I thought, well, if I have those, I fit in. Mm. If I have those, I'm liked. If I have those, I'm looked up to. Mm. And in the pursuit of that, we flood our life with challenge, we flood our life with this busy schedule and all these things that tie up our time, overwhelm us, provide outside stress, that we then feel like we don't have the time to action what's truly important. Like, I thought about it this morning, the hecticness of my last week. Yeah. My grandparents live downstairs from me. I need to make sure I take 10 minutes to go down and see my grandparents this week. Absolutely. They're at the end of their life. 
yep. the two people I adore. Go down and spend the time to see them. But we often just let the busy schedule get in yeah. the way. Absolutely. Business meetings more important. Yeah, cool. I yeah. did the same thing even with my, my grandmother who, you know, we knew she was coming towards the end of her life. And I have regrets now where mm. I would drive past where she was to stop in. Uh, you know, well, I should have stopped in. And I didn't do it enough. And you think that you're going to have more time. That's well, fine. I've just got to get this done first. It's all good. Mm. But then, yeah, time is finite. You know? It is. And, and it's funny when she said we have this desire to um, fit in. Mm. That's a really powerful human um, desire that originates from the care system in our brains because the care system is designed to crave, make us crave connections so we nurture the in-group so, you know, that helps our survival and the group bonding and stuff. And it's actually those ancient drives that drive us in ways that can be healthy or unhealthy. Mm. And you have to redefine how you want to express that care system. So mm. now you make sure, you know, you care for others rather than just caring to fit in. And your rank drive, which could have easily caused you just to chase the next status object and, you know, achievement one after the other would have make, made you miserable. Um, you can also interpret and express that rank drive by saying, no, I'm going to actually do something that's inspiring to me, that's purpose-driven, where, you know, where you use your motivation and your drive for that. Um, so, yeah, it's our ancient, ancient kind of, yeah, these ancient primal emotion systems that don't necessarily set up, us up for a happy life. They set us up to um, survive and to procreate. Mm. And if uh, a luxury car helps procreation, because unfortunately we live in societies where luxury cars help procreation in some way, uh, then they set us up for that kind of expression of the rank drive. If we lived in a society where um, collaboration and kindness would be the thing that gets mm. rewarded with a high social status, like in a bonobo society, for example, mm. people with high rank would already strive for collaboration and kindness. Yeah. But this is our cultural wiring as well, that kind of defines the ways in which we achieve rank or in which we achieve emotional connection to others that are unhealthy. Mm. So I think that really answers the question, why do we keep going back to such flawed behaviors to try yeah. and satisfy those emotional needs for yeah. connection and for you know status, for example? Because the need itself is not bad. It's not good or bad. The expressions we choose Absolutely. can be good or bad. Yeah. 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 I couldn't agree more. Mm. Like That hits the nail on the head for me. And I think... I see myself as so incredibly lucky because the people in my life have radical acceptance and radically celebrate me for who I am at the core, which has allowed me to step into what I feel is truly my path, what I feel is really authentically me, and enjoy that process. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a partner who's sitting on the other side of um, the, <laughs> the framing there who loves me for who I am. Mm -hmm. And right now, I'm in a part of my career where... I've had to sacrifice the finance. I've had to sacrifice what looked like success on the outside so that I can feel great about mm -hmm. what's on the inside. And I'm just so blessed that in this position now, the people in my life love me for that. And, you know, I say to my mates all the time, and I've got such a great group of mates, that when you find those people, and we have that in our friend circle, I have that in my relationship with my family, when you find those people, it's amazing. Hold on to them. But when you look around and you don't see that in your people... You have to find the people who will allow you to be authentically you. Because our, often our circle dictates the way we feel about ourselves, yeah. which then dictates our behaviour. Mm. And we just stay on that path. But I think one way to break that cycle is to discover the true you and step into that. Because I always feel then you attract the people 
that get that and love you for that. You know, but sure. that discovery process is so hard. Though. That discovery process saying. is so hard, exactly. Um, and there's not a lot of tools that help us. Absolutely. You know, yeah. discover reliably who we are. I mean, people read horoscopes to try and make sense of themselves, right? And that's not a reliable source of who you are and what's going to happen next. But um, I think that's the thing. If you don't know who you are, you're easily tugged around by marketing companies selling you stuff by the wrong people setting the wrong expectations and you and all, on you and all the rest of it right and i think the biggest thing for me and a lot of what you're talking about right is that sense of purpose because we do get so caught up in just what we're doing day on day and doing what we think we should be doing we think we're supposed to be raised as you said to make money be successful like you know that's that's how you prove that you're worth in the real world etc cetera, etc cetera. and we're just going to follow this path and we think we should have that we're talking about it with a previous guest that you think you should have something just because that would make you feel good but it actually once you have it it's not going to make you feel good at all i think this whole problem that we have as a broader society is that we chase what we think we want because we don't know what we actually want because we fundamentally don't know who we are and what gets us into a flow state. And that's what a lot of Kat and I always talk to each other about because understanding when you do something that matters to you, like people, it's almost like you just get lucky sometimes. It's sort of like swimming into the right current or whatever it is and someone goes, oh, this is feeling good. But then they come out of it because they don't know why they were in it in the first place. And I think for someone like yourself who, who does feel now that you've actually hit that really true understanding about what matters to you, why you do what you do, it's so powerful. And I think that's what we're trying to also help other people understand is like understand the real you, understand why you do what you do. You know what it is? I love what you said there about discover who you are. People will come to events like Humankind, they'll sit and they'll listen to a podcast, they'll watch an interview on TV, they'll watch Oprah talk to someone or they'll read the latest book and they get all this advice. Yeah. The issue is they get the advice and they don't ask themselves the questions. I remember having a guest on my podcast, Rich Davini, retired Navy SEAL. And Rich said to me, Brad, the quality of our lives is directly proportionate to the quality of the questions we ask ourselves. And I sat there in that moment and thought, how many questions do I ask myself about so myself? Yep. And then it's understanding that you can ask yourself a million questions. You won't always find an answer, but sometimes you just find a feeling. Mm. And if you find a feeling that feels good, that feels right, lean in. Yeah. The path of like everyone's trying to find the right path without walking down one. Yes. You know, sometimes you've got to walk down a path and figure that it's a dead end. Yeah. And then walk back and take a new one. Yeah. Like I think at 26, I recognise the desire, which was a part of what I answered here, this desire to want to drive and move in a direction that feels purpose-driven. But until you get there, you don't know. Mm. So, you know, you come and speak at a few events, you sit down for a few podcasts and it feels good, it feels right, and you keep moving in that direction. There's been things that I've done that didn't feel like the right move. So I've taken a step back and reassessed and asked myself the question, why didn't that feel right? What, what are, can I ask, what are those things? Where do you still feel conflicted yeah. when you're figuring out staying on the right path? Well, for me, a lot of the challenge is that, you know, when you become a keynote speaker with no prior experience, without any um, real social following, as funny as it sounds, the money doesn't come straight away. So yeah. you need to pay the bills. Yeah. So you look at ways that you can use your skill set, you know, in my case, to potentially fill a few gaps financially and, you know, you walk a few paths that don't feel right. You step back into real estate a little bit, realise that it doesn't serve you anymore. You step back out. You know, I was doing a podcast with a great mate that was almost sort of comedically based because it felt like there was an opportunity to get some more views and listens there. Yeah. But I realised it wasn't serving me the way that my show served me. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was fun. Yes, I loved having those conversations with, with a great mate. 
But for me, when I sat down with a guest on my show and talked about this stuff, the deep stuff, the stuff that connected to me, that felt right. And, you know, but that's a part of the life, you know, I like to call it a quest because the journey has mm. an end. You know, this is so open-ended. We're still here. I woke up today with air in my lungs and a heartbeat. I get the chance to move forward and try to figure it out again. But we look at success and we think that we're supposed to have things by a certain age. You know, you're told that at 30 you should be married and on your way to your first child, so you feel the stress yeah. to be in a position to be ready for that at the age of 30. You're told that, you know, in your 20s you're supposed to meet your partner that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. I only met mine last year. Yeah. You know, so there's you're all so these so ahead of the game. Like in Germany <laughs> people say, no, no, people who study, no, no, you finish studying at 34, if you're lucky you meet someone at 39, then you can still fall pregnant if you're 42. Don't stress out. Yeah. It's an Australian thing. <laughs> it is an Australian thing. I think. It's, but it's, it's this comparison <laughs> totally game. Totally on a side note. <laughs> but it's so true, right? Because it's a comparison game that we oh, all yeah. fall into. But I think what, was, what you said before about taking advice from people, I think with advice we always have to be so careful because we all wear our totally biased filters on reality, you know? And our these things like our emotion systems that drive us at the deepest level and our values and our life experience predisposes us to wear a filter that someone else doesn't wear. So whatever they recommend doesn't fit for you because they're not you. They don't have the same emotional needs. They don't have the same kind yeah. of values. To me, the advice of someone that I don't know is completely aligned in some way that matters to the topic is absolutely irrelevant because there's so much advice out there and all it does is clutter your head with stuff that might not actually then blocks you from and you found a shortcut to feeling into what feels right and then got doing more of that feeling into what feels wrong doing less of that you, you felt your way into it a lot of people don't trust their intuitions yeah. enough to do that and then take all this random advice from everywhere that just simply doesn't apply to you i find that with mm. almost all advice unless you are with someone who is exactly like you in a lot of key dimensions mm. and has adopted strategies that will likely work for you as well. Um, it's so true, isn't it? And, you know, we're in a world where there's an abundance of people telling you who you should be, yeah. the way you should think, the things that you should do. Yeah. You know, self-help, the industry, is so big Absolutely. now. But, you know, I remember sitting and listening to the same podcast and there were two back-to-back -back guests who were speaking about relationships and at the time, I was not in a relationship. You know, I was hoping to find someone in my life. And one episode, they said, relationships are all about compromise. Mm. The next episodes, they said, if you want to have a successful relationship, never compromise. So which one do you believe? <laughs> right? And we, what you have to do is you have to I know to which one I need go, to believe with my wife. But <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. And, you know, the one thing that I discovered and started to understand is that with self-help, Nothing will help you until you ask yourself who you are. Who you are. Yes. Because exactly. it, has to be, it has to be specialised to you. Yeah. And that's why I love what we're talking about here because it is specialised to the understanding of who you are. Mm. And until you have that understanding, you can't move forward. Mm -hmm. You can't right. move forward and take advice. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is like with a medical condition, right? If someone is sick and the doctor doesn't do a proper diagnosis of what's going on and just... A blanket describes an antidepressant or something like that. That yeah. doesn't work either, you know. It's but it's phenomenal how this self-help industry still thrives without actually providing any personalized mm. advice. Definitely. Yeah. And I think it's that right. intersection, isn't it? Because everybody is still so desperate to have that greater knowledge, yeah. self-knowledge. Yeah. 
but they get so then caught up in then the business of life, everything gets competing. So they're just they're grabbing, and that's why you know we talk about horoscopes always being something that people just because they can read it in a paragraph and go, oh, fantastic, my next month's going to be amazing now. But again, no, nothing of that actually goes to fundamentally who they are because you're not going to have one month like you know you can obviously to your point you can be the master of your own destiny but if you're understanding who you are as the master in the first place and what you can be must like mastering you know kat talked about superpowers Mm. yesterday in her in her presentation that's where it all comes to life because otherwise you're kind of like you're throwing stuff at a wall you just none of it is connected and that's why i feel is really sad is that you go through life and the number of people that you see just constantly all over the place just searching for meaning and never really getting there and that i think is the worst thing of all if we never attain like we, we never attain that self-knowledge definitely yeah. you know i spoke about this weekend three traits that have been incredibly helpful in my life mm-hmm. mm. purpose resilience and perspective yeah because you can't tell anyone how to do any three of those mm. it's all within your control it's all within your understanding within your reach and for me the thing about those three traits is they're different for everyone. Yeah. They've been different for me, but they have allowed me in any area of my life to mould what it should look like based off who I am. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think, you, you said it there, we're so desperate to, to find the answer. Because if you say to anyone, like if you said to me three years ago as I quit my job, sold my house to do this, hey, mate, here's the path to being successful as a speaker and podcast host, mm. I would have listened because I was so desperate to make it happen because... I'd felt the unfulfillment in my previous job. I had the desire to want to live a life that felt meaningful. Yeah. And, you know, we all can desire those things, but I think we just have to have that bit of patience, that bit of patience to know that we might have to walk a few paths before we find the right one. Mm -hmm. Do you still – tell me about fear. Like, Mm. because on on terms of what you're talking about there, being patient and having to – just know that things won't come overnight. Like, people are generally fearful, but for you, I look at your – your particular I mean I can't even I can't even start to try and say that I can relate to it in terms of what you've gone through mm. and you probably have fear on multiple fronts but I mean how do you deal with fear still now because you have fear when you go and do a keynote speech you have fear when you're doing a podcast I mean like this this fear can manifest itself in many different ways and then even in understanding where life will go how do you deal with it now it's funny because I asked that same question to the gentleman Rich Divini that I mentioned before yeah And I said to Rich, you know, Rich, I feel so courageous in so many areas of my life that I feel I have control. But in the areas in which I don't, when it comes to stepping into the unknown of my career, stepping into the unknown of relationships, I feel as though fear overtakes my courage. Mm. And Rich said something to me that's stuck with me ever since. He said, Brad, you have fooled yourself to think that you have control over everything that's happening in your life. The truth is you don't. The only thing you have control over is how you behave and how you act. Yeah. He said that fear is something we all have. It is being able to recognise fear and move forward in spite of it that develops that attribute that's courage. And he said to me that courage and resilience are what he sees as two of the most important attributes that any human being can have. Mm. Because it takes resilience to be knocked down and step back up again and keep moving forward. And it takes courage to move forward into the areas that are unknown. And so I have fear over so many things in my life. But I realise that it doesn't serve me. Because if I want to move forward, if I want to find myself in a position that feels fulfilling, that feels meaningful, you know, in in the future I want to have a family with my partner and have all the incredible things that come with that. Mm. And and I've experienced how tough parenthood can be through, you know, listening to my parents talk about having a child with cystic fibrosis. So 
I understand that everything in our life has an element of fear attached to it. Yeah. But how do you move forward in spite of it? And yeah. if you don't, well, then you don't move anywhere. Yeah. So it's, it's understanding that we all have courage, but courage is just continuing to step in directions that present a little bit of fear. You know, fear is something that I don't know if we ever truly master. We just get comfortable with living in unison with it. And neither should we because it's designed to keep us alive, right? Fear has a very, very important role. I think it's just about understanding what situations truly call for fear, mm. you know, because it's then designed to keep us alive and which ones just cause unnecessary stress. And I love that you say that, Kat, because how many people absolutely torture themselves for the fact that they feel fear? Mm. Like you said, it's so normal. It's, yeah. it's a part of the human brain and the human yeah. experience. So don't put yourself down or torture yourself because it's a part of what you feel when you look towards a direction you want to move in. Understand it's natural. Yeah. And it's beneficial and it's absolutely functional. I mean, the reason fear evolved in all mammalian brains is that we can't survive without it. How would you want to eradicate that? If you sit here on the sofa and say, I really don't want to have any fear that, well, then you're dead tomorrow. Mm. Yeah. Because then the next car that's approaching you just want to tackle it head on. <laughs> yeah, well, that's bad you're not going to be around tomorrow so i think want, wanting to get rid of fear is a very very bad idea and definitely. a very misinformed idea definitely couldn't agree more yeah. and i love i love that you can link it back to the science of the brain because that is so powerful to me yeah don't just don't ignore who we are and those primal urges that we have because as i think you said i think it was yesterday in your in your presentation that you said that it's not about it's not about saying like, oh, that's terrible. Like, you know, I just want to avoid it. It's just like understand it. Because once you understand it, like stuff that you and I have talked about with one of my dimensions of my personality, just understanding the behavior that comes out of it and not, I mean, knowing that it is who I am and that's okay. There's actually nothing wrong with that. Don't feel bad about yourself saying, well, I actually want to be that person over there. It's just by understanding it, you can make adjustments in your behavior to then reach what you want to reach in the future. But, um, Kat, did you want to go through any more of the... I can see it's open on your screen there. No, I think it's great. Like, yeah. I feel like we've explored it all. And what I would like to do is send all those midlife crises, 50, 60 and 70-year-old men uh, to you to get some uh, strategies and tricks on how you can deal with a high rank system that is misguided into tricking them into doing all the things that make them miserable long term because you've worked out a strategy that will actually work for people with that particular predisposition, you know? Well, when they come to me, I'll be messaging you for your support. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Great. Brad, thank you. Absolutely inspirational story. appreciate yeah, you sort of opening you. up about it and also opening up about fundamentally more who you are. But uh, I hope to hear a lot more from you. And no doubt we'll put some information in the show notes as well where people can find out more about how to get in touch with you. I want to say thank you so much. And I want to say to everyone listening or watching that conversation and story is so powerful. It's what's led me to be where I am today. It's what's led me to be sitting on the couch here with you guys having this conversation. And I feel like I've learned so much from you both today and I feel so privileged that I get this opportunity to do that. And everyone should have more conversations, should be more open to story because story connects us to incredible people and with incredible people, we have incredible support systems to move towards what we want in life. Mm. Couldn't agree so Thank more. you. Thank you, Brad. Thank <laughs> you. Well, I hope you enjoyed this unique episode of A Lot to Talk About, um, being my guest appearance on the Deep Sphere podcast. I want to thank Katarina, I want to thank Tim and JC, the team there at Deep Sphere, who have so gracefully allowed me to put this episode on my platform. And if you did enjoy it, I have great news. 
Katarina will be back on the show. I'll be interviewing her in the weeks to come. So keep an eye out for that episode as we dive further and deeper into the neuroscience of self-knowledge, allowing you to understand your neuroscience, allowing you to understand the way that your brain works and how you can work with it, not against it. So thank you so much for listening to the show. I want to ask a massive favor of you all though before I go and say that if you love this podcast if it's something you enjoy listening to week on week or even just every month can you please do me a massive favor and share this show with a friend share this with someone you feel like would benefit from it the more you guys share the show the more it grows and the more it grows the bigger guests I can get on the more opportunity we have to move this show in the direction it needs to go I'm so grateful for your support thus far whatever platform you consume the pot on. Thank you so much. I'm wishing you all the best for the week to come and we'll see you soon.